0: Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Holman Park Baptist Church. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our time together. And Lord, as we worship here in the sanctuary or in Facebook Live, out on the uh, interwebs, Lord, we uh, just thank you that we could be here in your house for just a few moments today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. And before we get into the message, I'm just going to say we love having our children here. Children, raise your hands. Let me know you're here. All right. Good, good. Well, we've got some coloring pages for you. If you had not seen them, uh, you can get some in the back. We've got crayons and adults. If you want them, go for it. Our goal is to get you out here as soon as possible around 11 o'clock. Just thank you so much for being flexible this morning. And so as we turn to God's Word today, we have an outline. If you have the U-Version Bible app, you can pull that up. Or we, thankfully, we've got the slides again, so you can just follow along with that. And if you're watching on Facebook Live, the link is in the description for the video. So, this seems like an obvious topic to preach on, but the name of the title today is Never Take Church for Granted Again. Amen? Never take church for granted again. You see, God established the church to continue his plan for redemption until the day Jesus returns for his children. So we must take the opportunities today and make the most of them so that we can be a part of God's plan In building this church. And when I say this church, I'm not just talking about Homeland Park. I'm talking about the church as a whole. You see, two months, two months it has been since our last time meeting in this sanctuary. So we have returned here today by God's grace. So give God a hand. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I am just as thankful that While we have been away from this building, we have continued to be the church. And so we are just so grateful to be here. And I fully believe that God is in total control of every single second of this corona pandemic. We have learned so much through these days of social distancing. We've learned over the last few months... A few things. Number one, that the church is the people, not the building. Amen. We've learned that the priority of worshiping together is a privilege. The fact that we are here today is a privilege and the grace of God that we are able to be here. Just as it is a privilege for those that are able to watch via our Facebook feed. And the flexibility of the church needs to be expanded. We, we need to think of new ways to get our message out. Uh, with social media and telephones and the internet became crucial during this time, and a high percentage of our churches, thankfully, have remained faithful in their prayers and support of our church, and I can't thank you enough. And uh, we've also learned that our hygiene affects everybody, so I appreciate everybody taking the extra precautions today, and uh, again, dealing with the uh, seating arrangements and and all the different things that we put into place. So <clears throat> we are still here today, but we're taking precautions. We are here worshiping together. So so one of my favorite verses that has come to my mind lately is Psalm 122, verse 1, that says, Now let's join together and repeat the praise of the psalmist who proclaims that let us go into the house of the Lord. We are grateful to be here today. So, we have taken church for granted. When I say we, I'm talking to myself as well. There is no doubt that we have been taking the privilege of worshiping freely together for granted. It is true. Uh, you don't know what you have until it's gone. Amen. I mean, that that is so true about everything. But prayerfully, people will have an intense desire to worship God with a church family. But unfortunately, The truth is, some people will go back to their regular lifestyles of being busy, 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 and just forget all the lessons that they learned. You know, the thing is, is that about being taken for granted, all your youth, you want to have your greatness taken for granted. But then, as you get older, you find being taken for granted is something that you don't like. We don't like being taken for granted. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, God does not like being taken for granted. We should be disturbed. We should be disturbed more with ourselves than others. Too many people are looking at what other people are doing wrong. But with ourselves, we should be disturbed when it comes to our tendencies to take worshiping God for granted. We should consistently and constantly search for things that pull our devotion and excitement away from him. So what I thought we would do today is look. And a few key passages in Acts chapter 2. And look at the beginning of the church. Remember our roots. And remember where we came from so that we won't take this for granted. Now, the first thing that we see is that God's people are filled with the Holy Spirit. God's people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Just 50 days after the Passover, Jesus was crucified which started a movement, which began a movement that we are part of today. So when we read these passages, it's fresh. It's just happening. And we see in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, it talks about the Holy Spirit coming to the earth. It says, One day of Pentecost... On the day, excuse me, on the day of Pentecost, all believers were meeting together in one place. Amen. They were having church. And then suddenly, I love that word. You know me. I love that word. When you hear suddenly, you know God's about to do something. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At the time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. And then verse seven says they were completely amazed or, or they were in awe. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from Galilee. Galilee. That means that they were not Jewish and they did not speak Hebrew. They were speaking a different language. They were supposed to be speaking a different language. And yet we hear them in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Capatia, Pontus and the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the areas of Libya around Serene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. And it says in verse 12, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked one another. What we see here in that passage is, first of all, God's people meet together. If you are part of God's family, God's family meets together. It doesn't matter if it's in a building, a parking lot, or a dirt floor in a small hut in a third world country. God's people meet together. The second thing we see is that church began as a movement from God. Church began as a movement from God. If you go back and look at your passage, doesn't it say in verse 2, suddenly there was a sound, what? From heaven. That is significant. You see, suddenly, church is not about our slick, polished things that we can do for God. Church is not about clothes or habits or traditions. Church began when God's Holy Spirit was sent by his own hands from heaven. And that Holy Spirit that fills us when we become a Christian, that Holy Spirit, praise God that we pray, is here today interceding on our behalf, is here because it was from God. We also see that God God breathed life into the church in order to breathe life into his people. Let me say that one more time. God breathed life into the church in order to breathe life into his people. If you go back and look at verse 2, it says like the roaring mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. The wind, the illustration of wind that Luke is writing about here, Luke mentions wind and storms, which was meant to invoke the imagery of God breathing life. Into the church. If you want a great example of that, think of Adam and Eve. Adam was just a pile of dust. And then he breathed life into that dust. He breathed life into Adam and Eve, that Ruah, that spirit. And that's what he breathed. The breath in your lungs that you have at this moment. Right now, as you are breathing, you haven't been thinking about breathing, most of you, since you've been here. But now that I said something, you're thinking about it. Every breath that you take is God's spirit, God's life, God's breath in you. So thank him for that. And just as he breathes life into you, he has breathed life into the church. It is a gift of God, and we don't need to let it be taken away and take it for granted. Also, we see in verse 3 that God will judge the earth. It talks about flaming tongues coming from heaven. Usually, fire signifies judgment when it is in the Bible. Yes, each one of us will be judged. And our churches will be judged too. If you don't believe me, go look at the end of Revelation where those churches are judged. It is not good. They're not going to be judged on how slick their posters are or how cool their website is or how great the Facebook live streams are. It is going to be judged on what we have done for the Lord. So what we see here is that God initiated the church to unify his people. If you noticed a few minutes ago, I read a bunch of people groups that were there when everybody started speaking in the same tongue. I want you to understand something. God ripped away the language barrier through the gift of tongues. That's what the gift of tongues did for them. And the Hebrew speaking Jews understood the Greeks who were speaking. And as we read through the many towns and the provinces that were listed there, we see that God intends the church to bring everyone together. My friend, it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter how thick or small your wallet is. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter. All of you are special to God. And even that person that may be walking down our street or the person that was sleeping on our porch last night, We don't know, but God loves all of them, and they need to be in here. They need to be hearing the word of the Lord, and they need the Holy Spirit to be interceding on their behalf. You see, as we read through those towns, God means to bring everyone together. The second thing that we see is in verses 22 through 24 of Acts chapter 2. The gospel is the message of the church. The gospel is the message of the church. The message of the the church is not for me to preach to you five ways to feel better about yourself. For me to preach and just to get likes, for me to preach and just tickle people's ears, that is not what we are to do as a church. Our church is about the gospel. And the churches that have lost that sight are the churches that are struggling and dying. We see that because the first church, the gospel was a center of what they do. Look at verses 22 through 24. It says, People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene, or some translations say Jesus of Nazareth, by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his pre-arranged plan, Pre-arranged plan. Those of you KJVers, it says Determinant, counsel and foreknowledge of God. In other words, God is no, nothing surprises God. Everything has been pre-planned. He says it was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in his grip. Death is defeated. We are here today to worship the fact that Jesus lived a life. He left his throne. He left his glory. He came and lived a sinless life. He was crucified. He was crushed. And he was bruised for your sins and my sins. And because he has resurrected and has power over death, we can have that same power. And why are churches not getting excited about that? Why are you not getting excited about that? I mean, think about it. You are here today just because not just because you want to be in this building. Look, I love this building. But we are here to worship Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That needs to be our message. That needs to be our cry. That needs to be our mission. That was the mission of the first church, and that should be the mission of our church today. Not how I can feel better. Not what services I can get given to me like a consumer. But what can we do to get the message out? That is what... This is about the church was always part of God's plan for redemption, just as Jesus's birth, death and resurrection and second coming are part of God's plan for redemption. The church, you being here today, is part of that plan. You see, I cannot imagine the fact Every horrifying act of violence and punishment against Jesus was from his father's hand. God was punishing his own son. I cannot imagine a father going through that. The truth is, matter of fact, if you want to be honest about it, it was you that killed Jesus. It was me that killed Jesus. It was your sin. It was my sin that bruised him, that he was whipped with, that he bled from, and that he died from, and he died for. That's the gospel message. The truth is, you and I killed Jesus while we may not have been there to drive the nails into his hands and feet. It was our sin that he died for. His blood that was shed to cleanse you and I from our sins. And this is why we meet together today to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for beating death. Thank you for letting me be here today in your house with other people that have experienced the same thing. And I can't help but tell other people about it. That is what church is. That is what the church of Acts is. And that is what we should God has given all of our churches a break to recalibrate our understanding of why we are here and what we should be doing. The thing is, a lack of gratitude, and this will be on the screen for you, a lack of gratitude for what Jesus has done for you leads to an attitude of taking his church for granted. The moment you go from not what Jesus has done for me But what can you do for me? That's when we start taking Jesus and the church for granted. You see, the Roman government, the Jewish officials, and Satan himself could not disrupt God's plan for your redemption. There is no politician today, folks, or world power that can stop God's plan. Whether you are a Democrat, a Republican, an Independent, or if there's a new thing I don't know about. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who's in power. It doesn't matter what country has the most nuclear missiles. God is in control of each one of those. The only thing that will kill a church, the only thing that will kill a church is the membership's sin of unwillingness to obey Him. That will kill a church. When you have people in the church that refuse to listen to God, refuse to do what He says. Finally, the third thing is the church is a community. The church is a community. Years ago, I think it was maybe... Hillary Clinton or somebody that termed the um, the term, it takes a village to raise children, to teach children. Wasn't it something like that? The church has done that for years. <laughs> some of you are products of that. Some of you remember at this church when they were busing kids in from all over the place. Heck, some of you may even have drove the buses or worked on the buses. Or taught the kids that came in on the buses. That is the thing that we understand that is a community. And that's what we've been missing. That's why a lot of us are here today is because we miss each other. I'm telling you what, it is hard for me not to just sit here and go down every aisle and hug every one of you. Just because that's been, we used to take that for granted. Even our handshaking time that people, some people loved, some people couldn't stand. It's gone. No shaking hand. I've seen a couple of fist bumps. I've seen a lot of those. And I've seen some people give me the eyes like, you're too close, preacher. That's all right. That's all right. But we have taken for granted the, the fact that the church is a community. Look at verses 42 through 47. It says, all believers devoted themselves, devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, and to fellowship, and to sharing in the meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. this is much more than just a potluck dinner on a Wednesday night, right? They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Folks, let me just say this. Church is not a spectator sport. Church is not a place where you come to watch the show and just get some warm fuzzies. Church is a place that the scripture says here to devote yourself to growing in your faith, building relationships with others that want to do the same. My friend, if you come to church, you're to grow not only for yourself, but to help others, when I take a car to the mechanic, I don't expect the car just to stay in there, and people remark at how great or how bad that car is. I want them to do something. I want them to fix it. That way, when it gets out, I can tell everybody how great the mechanic is. Folks, church is the same way. it 's not about us what we're going to get out of, and just sit around and talk about it, and this is what we ought to do. What we need to do, when somebody says what we need to do is, just translate it as what you need to do, right? But the truth of the matter is that God does not need an armchair church attender. The very reason some don't attend church could be that they have been hurt by someone's armchair decision. Someone who sat back and just told everybody what, what should have been done. And there are some armchair callers and people that have stopped coming to a church because everybody stopped listening to them. Notice verse 42 says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teachings and to the fellowship and to the sharing and meals. If you are devoted to those things, you don't have time to be an armchair quarterback. If we are too busy doing things for the Lord, we don't have time enough to sit down and think, you know, what somebody else ought to do better. Folks, never lose your sense of awe of the church. Never lose your sense of awe of the church. Think about it this way. On the day Peter preached this gospel message, some 3,000 people came to the Lord and became new believers. 3,000? Can you imagine a church where 3,000? Imagine our church and three people came down to become believers. But 3,000? That's amazing. But, you know, so many people and I've heard preachers and evangelists say, hey, praise God. We had a meeting the other day and five thousand got saved. Look, I, I praise the Lord for anybody that's gotten saved under an evangelist or a church. But I know as a pastor where God has placed me is that I am excited when someone comes to know the Lord. But they still we are responsible for getting them baptized. We are responsible for teachers to lead them people to encourage him in a community to grow in. I can't think of a mother that would have their baby, leave the hospital and go straight to a stranger's door and leave it on somebody's porch. But if we see someone come to know the Lord and we make no attempts at discipling them and leading them through those things of baptism and growth and multiplication, then we have done the same thing. And and I think an injustice. You and I still have needs today. We still need to grow. So never lose sense of awe of the church. I will never forget the first time Don and I walked into the sanctuary. I remember it. We came in, I think, that door, and we walked through, and we were standing right about there, not far from where Tammy was, and I was just looking over the whole church, and, And you may know what I'm talking about. Sometimes when you walk in sanctuaries, you can just feel something there. There is a spirit. You can't put your, your hand on it, but you just know there's something. And I had the overwhelming sense of knowing that this is where God has worked for years. And I prayerfully asked God to continue to work under our ministry while we were here and are here. Folks, when you walk into this building, you cannot help but feel the sense that there is something special about that place. When you walked in today, when I walked in that door today, which I never walk in that door, but I was grateful to walk in that door and to see these pews and to see your lovely little faces in here today. Even yours, Ross. I have missed that. I thought about installing horns in the pew so y'all feel like you're back at the drive-in. But you know what? Over the years, I've come to realize what many of those things are that, that cause me to stay in awe. First and foremost, there is an eager anticipation among our people to hear the Word of God preached. There are people that live to love one another. As, ba- as Baptists and Southerners say, I just want to love on you. I don't quite know what love on you means, but we say it, right? It just means that we want to show appreciation. There's people that love each other and believers that walk through these halls and many truly care for those they worship with. And most importantly, we are in awe of what God is doing here. Here's what I love. God is doing something at Homeland Park that I cannot explain. And I'm fine with that because God is at work here. So as we close up today, never take church for granted again, folks. I'm saying that to myself as well. Because God established the church to continue his plan of redemption until the day of Jesus' return for his children. Folks, we must take the most of every opportunity God gives us to be a part of his plan through building the church. Though we have continued through technology to proclaim the Word of God and show compassion as best we can, there is no substitute for this gathering together today. And don't get me wrong, I'm grateful for everybody that is watching this video. I see some comments. Some of you are in here commenting. Come on now, pay attention. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that is that we are just so grateful to be here whether you be here virtually or whether you be here literally. Though we have continued through technology, I am so grateful that we can gather together today. So folks, do not take church lightly because Jesus certainly did not take his sacrifice for you to be here today lightly. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for our worship service today. I wish we could have spent another half an hour in here, Lord, just praising and singing and, and doing all kinds of cool stuff. But that will come. We're just grateful that you gave us this day. I thank you for each person that's here. And if there's one person here today that would say, I never knew that that's what the church is really about. And all that talk about what Jesus has done for me. I, I've never accepted Jesus as my Savior and Lord. I've never gotten that forgiveness. That cleansing of the blood. I want that, Lord. If that is that person. All they've got to do is pray. Jesus. I confess that I'm a sinner. Come into my life. Change me. Make me a new creature. And help me to live for you. That's all you got to pray. And if you prayed that prayer, let me know. We're not going to have an invitation at the altar today, but the invitation is this. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, let me know. Those of you that are here We can social distance enough to where you can talk with me afterwards. If you're watching virtually, send me a message. We want to follow up with that. But thank you, Lord, for this church. May we never take it for granted again. For it's in your name we pray.